Hi, and welcome to another Mind Over Money. My name is Van Pappas, Certified Financial Planner and Private CFO with Oxygen Financial. Now, today I had a great guest lined up. We were going to talk about healthcare, but I am on the road. And so we've rescheduled him uh, for a couple weeks from now. So uh, tune back in uh, in two Thursdays and we'll be able to have that conversation. But I'm on the road today visiting my oldest niece, who just graduated from high school, and uh, she is about to embark on her journey uh, to college, and we're just so proud of her and what she's uh, doing. And so I thought it'd be a great opportunity to talk about educational savings, right? She's about to embark on spending a lot of money at college, and uh, we figured we need to have that conversation. So we're going to spend the next couple of minutes talking about uh, educational savings, pros, cons, different types of things. And so the first thing that any parent, I've been doing this for a lot of years, and parents come to me all the time asking me about, you know, hey, I'm about to have a child. I want to save for, for college, save for education. Or I get parents whose child is 16, 17, 18 years old, and they're like, what do I do? We need to pay for school. So, um, we want to talk about the differences between, you know, savings and loans. And, you know, a lot of people have the attitude of, well, you know, um, I'll let my child get a student loan. They need skin in the game. They can, you know, incur that. I don't have the money or I don't have, I don't want to save for their college. That's fine. Everyone has the right to, to choose how they want to do it. Um, but there is a reason why over the last couple of months, you've heard so much conversation about, you know, forgiving college debt. You know, the president wants to do uh, a big uh, forgiveness of student loan debt. Um, and there's a big debate about that. And we're not here to debate the political side of whether student loans are good or bad. Sometimes they're needed. There is a massive amount of student loan debt out there, and it's sometimes very crippling to the child when they get out of school and now all of a sudden have to worry about paying off this debt. Um, so we're going to bring on, I've got a, a really great connection with a firm called Gradfin, <clears throat> McKinsey over at Gradfin. I'm going to get her on the show um, in the future to talk about what's going on with the student loan debt. We're about to restart that. Gradfin can help people who already have student loans or help people who need to get student loans. And we'll bring her on to discuss student loans in more detail. So we're going to take today the other side of that student loan versus educational debate, which is the educational savings and what you need to do. So. There's a lot of different ways. Obviously, you know, you make money, you save money. You can do that anywhere. You can save it at your local bank. You can save it in a mutual fund. You can buy stocks with it. Um, and that's just really personal savings, what I call personal savings. Now, the problem with personal savings is that as you go along, any growth that you have, if it's a stock and it grows and then you sell it to pay for college, guess what? You're going to have to pay some capital gains tax. Or if it's in a savings account earning interest, then every year you're paying taxes on that interest. So there's not a huge tax advantage to personal savings, but it does give you the freedom 
to be able to pick and choose when to use it and whether or not you even need it for school. So if you're saving, you have a child and you start saving in a savings account um, and maybe you invest that in some way and then you get to college age or the age of when you need those funds and you don't actually need them, well, guess what? It's still just your money so you can use it on whatever you want. So that's one. Two is UGMA accounts or UTMA accounts. Now, what does that stand for? Unified gift miners, right? So when you go to your local bank, and I did this when my son was first born, and all of a sudden he was getting money for his first birthday and his second birthday. And it's like, all right, it's his money. So let's go save it. We go down to the bank and we open an account. Now, a minor can't open an account. We all know that. Minors are not allowed to um, have legal signatures. So they need a custodian, a parent, a guardian, some kind of person that's going to be responsible for that. So when you go down to the bank, you open up the account, the savings account. As far as you're concerned, it's just a savings account. But the way it's registered is either as a UGMA account or UTMA account, where it's uh, under that law that says the unified gift hey, I am now the custodian. So you see on those savings accounts, it has your name as the guardian, as the custodian, and then the child's name. Now, where are the pros and cons of that? Well, the pro is it's the child's money. So it can be used by the child for the child at any time for any purpose. It's not just for education. So it gives a lot of flexibility. The one thing you got to be real careful with is you don't want to load up so much money on there because when you do start applying for colleges, you might also be applying for some kind of financial aid. You might have to fill out the FAFSA form. That's something we'll talk about in a future meeting. Maybe we'll bring an expert on to talk about how to fill those forms out. But when it comes to money and how that financial aid looks at it, there's really four things they look at. They look at, I mean, there are a lot of things to look at, but the four main things are they look at the child's income. Does the child have any income? I usually tell people when the child gets to be about 16, 17 years old, great if they have a job. Love kids that have a job. It teaches them work ethic and all that. But you might also want to consider having maybe a volunteer job or a job for a charity where they're not actually getting paid, but maybe they're getting credit for some kind of school course or school class. It gives them that work ethic, but it doesn't count against them as income. Now, if they're only making a couple hundred dollars, that's no big deal. That's not going to hurt them. But if you're talking about they're having a job where they're making, you know, five, 10, 15, $20,000 in a year, and some kids do, there are kids, 16, 17 year olds, 18 year olds making, you know, thousands of dollars and that could hurt them. So they look at child's income, then they look at child's assets. Well, guess what? A UGMA account is a child's asset. That's going to count towards the calculation for financial aid because it's an asset that they could use to pay for their school. So just be careful in how much you load up. Now, the other thing about UGMA accounts is that there's no tax advantage other than it's in the child's name. And so you can talk with your CPA or talk with whoever does your tax return, but any money that's earned or profited in that UGMA may be taxable. Now, there is a kitty tax and the kid can earn a certain amount of money uh, in, you know, in 
investment accounts that's not going to be taxed. But if you have a lot of money in a UGMA or it's invested in something like a mutual fund or a stock or an exchange traded fund, it might earn a lot and then it could end up being taxed. So you got to be careful with UGMA accounts about financial aid and we got to be careful about how is it taxed? Are we putting ourselves in a tax situation? Well, how do we solve that tax problem? We look at the other two ways to save. 529s, which probably a lot of you have heard about, and something a lot of people probably haven't heard about, even though it's been around for a very long time, is the Coverdale Educational IRA. Originally, it was just called an educational IRA, and then Senator Coverdale came along, promoted it, changed it, and so they rebranded re it as a Coverdale Educational IRA, all right? So what are the differences? Well, the great thing about both of those type of accounts is that when you put money into those, when you start saving in those accounts and it grows, I put $1,000 in, it grows to $10,000. Great. I just made money. Guess what? I pay zero taxes. As long as I use those accounts for qualified educational expenses, right? So I'm spending money on my college tuition and other qualified expenses. It has to be in an accredited school. So I can't go to, you know, Bolivia and go to school. It's got to be an accredited school. And if I use that money to pay those expenses for education, then I pay zero tax, completely tax free. What a great gift, right? I mean, why wouldn't we not be doing this? If we're going to save anyways, we want to save in those accounts. Now, why are there two, right? Well, the 529 was really designed for higher education, college, graduate school type education. It wasn't designed for pre-college education, private high school, private grade school, Montessori programs. It wasn't designed for that. We'll talk about some of the benefits that you can take in a second. But really, the 529 was a college savings vehicle. And that's where the educational IRA, the Coverdell, came in. It said, hey, we'll allow you to use this same tax-free growth, right? Put $1,000, grows to $10,000 inside the Coverdell. As long as I use it for educational expenses, I pay zero taxes. So it's same benefit, but now I can use it for pre-college. Let's say I, I'm unhappy with the public school system. Debate for another time. All right. But let's say I'm unhappy. I want to send my child to a private uh, high school or a private grade school or a Montessori program or anything where I'm going to have to come out of pocket to pay for that child's education pre-college. Well, guess what? I can use the Coverdell for those expenses. I still get the tax free nature as long as I use it for the qualified educational expenses, the tuition to send them to him or her to a private school right? Private high school. And then I still get tax free. Now, some would say, Van, can you also use the Coverdale for college? Absolutely. 100%. If you don't send the child to a uh, private high school, the Coverdale, you don't lose it. You can still use it tax free for college expenses. So the Coverdale, you get pre-college and college. The 529, you mainly just get college. So the next question people say is, well, that sounds awesome, Van. Why would I do a 529? Why not just do a Coverdale? Because then I can use it for both. Well, here's the downside. 
that Coverdale has a contribution limit. You can't put more than $2,000 per calendar year into it. Not very much. Trust me, if you start at age zero when the child's first born and you start putting $2,000 in it year after year after year until they're 18, and then you say, okay, it's grown, it's done well, we've made six, seven, eight, nine percent, whatever we made on that money, right? Am I going to have enough money for college? I'm here to tell you probably not. With the way college expenses are and the cost to go to college today, a Coverdale by itself, even if you fully fund it every year, will probably not be enough to get you through all four years of college. Probably do a great job of getting you through uh, the majority of it, you know, two, maybe even three years of college, depending on how expensive your school is. But don't go into thinking, hey, I'm just going to use the Coverdale and that's going to be enough to pay for college if I want to fully fund my child's education. All right. If you only want to partially fund your child's education, Coverdale might work. All right. But it does have that $2,000 limit where the 529 really does not have a limit. There are limits, but the limits are so large that I've yet to, in 23 years of doing this, come across someone who wants to fully fund a 529. The, the rules are state bound. So every state has different rules around their 529. And so most of them are in the 250, $350,000 range as the limit. Lifetime contributions, $300,000. You'll have to check your state as to what it is. Now, let's talk a second about the states, all right? So some people say, oh, well, I live in Georgia. I live in Florida. I live in Virginia. You know, I have to do those state programs and I can only use my 529 in that state for those schools. Wrong. That's a false statement. All right. You can buy a 529 from any state. All right. In fact, I personally use the Virginia, even though I live here in Georgia. You know, that's a conversation for offline as to why. But you can live in one state and buy a 529 from any state you want. All right. So you can pick the one that best suits what you're trying to accomplish. Do you have to only use those funds in that state? No. My child, I'm using the Virginia plan. I'm using the Georgia plan. My child gets to be college age and they go off to college in California. I can still use those funds for that educational expense, regardless of what state. As long as it's an accredited college, I can use those. And remember, I can use them tax-free. Now, I mentioned earlier that there was an additional benefit on the 529 that we come back to. And what it is, is recently, a couple years ago, they added to the rules around a 529. They had all these parents saying, hey, I'm funneling tons and tons of money into the 529 because that's all the parents knew about. They didn't know about the Coverdell. No one bothered to tell them. They didn't reach out to a certified financial planner and get real advice. They just went online and bought a 529 without knowing really what they were doing. And so they have all this money in the 529. And they started complaining, hey, I want to send my child to private high school. And I can't because all my educational savings is in a 529 and it's only for college. So they added an, an additional benefit. It's not a great benefit, but it's something where now today you can use money from your 529 for pre-college, but 
only up to $10,000 total. That's the total amount you can you can spend out of your 529 from pre-college. Not 10,000 a year, not 10,000, you know, for different schools. One time $10,000 from your 529 for pre-college. So, if you're going to a private high school, you know, some of those private high schools can cost 20, 25, $30,000 a year. The 529 is not going to fund that. It'll help some. You'll be able to pull that one time out and have 10,000 tax-free dollars to use. But for the most part, it is a college educational savings program. Great college educational savings program. Highly recommend it to everyone. Um, but get some professional advice. Don't just go out and do it on your own. Make sure you sit down and have a conversation with a certified financial planner to discuss, hey, Van, where do we put our savings? We got X amount that we want to save, or we're going to put X amount each month or each year towards this endeavor to, to pay for our child's education. Do we put it in the Coverdale? Do we put it in the 529? Do we open a UGMA account? Do we just stick it in our personal account or a personal investment account and, and save that way. So a lot of different uh, ways to go about it. Um, we could talk more about this, but we're almost at the end of our time. So, um, you know, come back every week because each week we sit here and teach you new tips, new life hacks on our way to better educating you about financial topics and making your wallet just a little bit fatter in the process. And we'll see you in two weeks for our next Mind Over Money.